0: Today is the February 6th, 2022 meeting of Hope Bible Church. Steve Hogan's message is titled, Leadership in the Church. If you'd like to support our sermon audio ministry, please click the Give button on our sermon audio homepage. All right, today's scripture reading is from the book of Acts, chapter 20, we're going to start in verse twenty four. I don't I'm not certain what verse it says you're going to start in on the bulletin there, but we're going to start Acts twenty verse twenty four. Hear the word of God, but I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself, so that I may finish my course and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that all of you among whom I went about preaching the kingdom will no longer see my face. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves, men will arise, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be on the alert. Remembering that night and day for a period of three years, I did not cease to admonish each one with tears. And now I commend you to God and the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I've coveted no one's silver or gold or clothes. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my own needs and to the men who were with me. In everything, I showed you that by working hard in this manner, you must help the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. Let's pray. What wonderful words you have left with us. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And yet, O God, help us to be ones who are gracious in allowing others to give to us. Knowing that you will give us the opportunity to pass that along at some point. Help us to be gracious receivers and to heartily be those who unreservedly give to one another. Make us that kind of a church. Make us those kind of people. From the leadership all the way down to the newest saint among us that you would be glorified in that because that's who you are. You are a God who gives and gives and gives and you give to the undeserving, to us. You gave us life and breath and you gave us life again forevermore in the gift of your Son, your very beloved Son who died on our behalf taking the burden for our sin the wrath that we were to bear forevermore upon himself and he the the just for the unjust is the way it happened and so this morning help us to listen with ears like that to have our hearts attuned to a god who is giving and wants to give to us this morning fill Steve up to be able to speak to receive what it is that you have to say to us through Him. Help every one of us then to turn around and to love one another, to give to one another in that same manner. And so, O God, be merciful and kind unto our congregation that we would bring glory, we would adorn the glory of God that we see in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Good morning good to see you all here at Hope Bible Church. Glad you could be with us today. Beautiful weather out, right? I tell you, I really like it. This is our winter. Um, If you um, think this is cold, then you have to live up north. You will have four months of weather where at least half the time it's cloudy, and cold like this, only much colder than this. So be thankful for what you have. But anyway, it's good to be here. We sang that song, Let Us Press On to Know the Lord. Uh, that was Gary Galligan, one of his favorite songs, him and Janet's. So I always think of him when we sing that song. And, and I, I thought of Steve sharing that verses. I didn't really plan it this way, but it's like his farewell address. If you heard what Steve was sharing there from Acts twenty. Uh, those verses, it's, you know, it's Paul's farewell address, and it's interesting. The only thing I thought about was the part that says, savage wolves will come in, so I'm thinking, I don't <laughs> expect that to happen, but uh, we have to be ready for anything. So anyway, it's, it's, it's good to see you here this morning, glad you could be with us. We want to look at some important topics today. We did do a switch on subjects, it's on leadership, that's what i to talk about, we know that God uh, is the one that uh, works through leaders. He has instituted all kinds of authorities that are necessary for the proper functioning of society. Uh, they are to be ones who are to uh, to instruct and protect and help those who are under them for their good and 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 in a good and positive way. We all understand uh, that there are parents for families, we understand that there are employers for employees or workers, or there's kings for countries, but today my focus is going to be on leadership, as it's talked about in the Bible. And throughout history, God has raised up God, the leaders, we're all aware, to go back to the Old Testament, there's Adam, there's Abraham, there's Joseph, there's uh, Moses, Joshua, You have Samuel, and Gideon, and Nehemiah, and... Uh, David, all kinds of leaders. And we also read about leaders who are judges and prophets and priests and kings. God raised all these kinds of people up. But the, but the leader that's really talked about the most, maybe, well, quite a bit, is is the word elders. In, in the Old Testament, we read about the elders of Israel, the elders of the city, the elders of the town. Very familiar word, Go to Ruth chapter 4, 2. It says, Boaz took 10 of the elders of the city. There's a decision to make with regard to Ruth, and so he got these elders together. And this word elder appears 120 different times in the Old Testament. So you see, it's a very, very familiar word. I want to mention a few things about these elders in general first. The word elder is a general term for an older person. And this word elder in the Old Testament context refers to one who is physically older, but also then is one who is mature. He's one who was wise. These elders would lead. They would make decisions, whether it was in the city, the country, uh, the, 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 the a village, wherever it might be. They would be ones who were the leaders. Third, these elders were men. They were not women. They were men. Fourth, these elders were from among the people, from their own group. They didn't come in from the outside. And they would be ones who would give uh, advice. They would make decisions. They would help to solve the problems. And they'd work together then in leading and ruling the people. And what you see then is there's always this plurality, this plurality of elders where they would be working together. We read in Exodus 19, So Moses came and called the elders of the people. I believe you always, about always see that word elders in the plural. And the Gospels, of course, read about the elders too. You go into the Gospels, you read about the elders. There's Jesus and the elders and the scribes and the Pharisees. You read about them, and it's the same kind of thing that you know, it was happening in the Old Testament because you have that transition. The Gospels is similar to what was going on then, Old Testament times, and they were leaders again of families and cities and countries and just leading. Uh, in the Old Testament, the cities or New Testament there in the Gospels, the Old Testament times too, they would. In most cities, have what was called a Sanhedrin, and it was is a body of men, a body of elders, about twenty to twenty three. They would be the ones who would be making the decisions, leading in a spiritual, moral, and political way in that particular area. Now, you've probably all heard of the Sanhedrin or the great Sanhedrin as referred to Jerusalem. Jerusalem had the big one, you know, they're the capital city. And they had like I think 70 men, not all elders, but a lot of the people involved in that Sanhedrin were then ones who were elders. And so many of the the elders, and you're aware of this, we're not going to take time to look at it, many of the elders spoken of the Gospels were ungodly men and were ones who were instrumental in stirring up the people against Jesus and having him crucified. You all know that. So you have these elders, and they weren't all godly. They weren't all righteous somewhere, but not all. We understand, too, that you, you look in the Gospels, you see that Jesus appointed apostles, 12 apostles, here to be the ones leading the early church. What we see in Acts chapter 2 is that the Holy Spirit came upon the believers and filled them up and empowered them, and it was at that time, then, that the church began. Well, let's look at a few verses, if you have your Bible or just listen along. Acts chapter 14, just a few verses, to see what it says there about the church and elders. And it's instructive, we, we see this, this, this pattern, this growth and development of leadership. But Acts chapter 14 and 21 to 23, Acts 14, 21 after they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples and encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. When they had appointed elders for them in every church, having prayed prayed with fasting. They commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So we see the apostles there. This is Paul and Barnabas. They're the ones who appointed elders in every church. And so what's going on this word elders is now at this time designating godly men, Christian men, who are leading in the church. That's what we read. Continue on to Acts 15, verse 2. Paul and Barnabas had great dissension and debate with them. The brethren determined that Paul and Barnabas and some of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders concerning this issue. Verse 4, when they arrived at Jerusalem, they were received by the church and the apostles and the elders. They reported all that God had done with them. Verse 6, it says the apostles and the elders came together to look into this matter. Verse 22 says... Says then it seemed good to the apostles and the elders with the whole church to choose men from among them to send to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, Judas called Barsabbas and Silas, leading a man among the brethren. And then in verse 23, it says, and they sent this letter to them, the apostles and the brethren who are elders to the brethren in Antioch, Sirius, Cilicia, who are from the Gentiles. Gentiles greetings. So it's really clear. The apostles were working with the elders. The apostles were overseeing. Overseeing the churches, and, and they were working with these elders who were leading in the churches. So that's very clear here, these apostles working with the elders. Finally, one more verse, Acts 20. This is the chapter Steve read from, but the intro verse to that passage is verse 17. Paul gave this farewell address, but we read in verse 17, Acts 20, verse 17. From Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called to him the elders of the church. So he's going someplace. He wants the, 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 the elders to come together. And again, these are the Christian men who are recognized as elders, and they had come from all these different churches in that area. And it's like this big conference, and Paul was there, and they gathered all these elders. Now I'll turn to Philippians 1, verse 1. Again, we're, we're doing a, a quick Overview of leadership in the church, but I think you'll understand things quite clearly as we continue to move along. Philippians one one, Philippians one one. Of course, then the intro verse to this letter that Paul writes to the Philippians it says, "Paul and Barn- Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and the deacons." So we see that Paul is addressing the Christians and the overseers and deacons who are the ones who are the leaders in the church. Let me continue to explain this here. First of all, these words overseer and deacon are referring to the two different leadership offices in the church, and I believe there are only two different leadership offices in the church. The word elders is not used in this book of Philippians here, and it doesn't need to because these overseers and these deacons are the elders. The elders are the leaders in the church, and there's two particular offices of these elders, and it's the overseers and the deacons. That's the thing you have to understand. Very important. This is what God tells us right here. The word overseer comes from the Greek episkopos. You've heard of the Episcopalians. That's where they get their name from this here. Episkopos means to look over, to watch over, to care for the church. And the, and the primary way that the overseer is to care for the church is by teaching the word of God. We read in in um, Nehemiah, it's just a thought here about teaching, it says in Nehemiah 8, 7 and 8, they explained the law to the people. They read from the book, from the law of God, uh, to uh, translating it to give the sense so that they could understand the reading, which is, which is my job. I am to read from the book, God's word, the law, and to explain it. Translate it so you can understand what the meaning is. Now, the word deacon is from the Greek diakonis. It's a very general word. It appears many times in the New Testament. It just means servant or minister. That's how it's translated. Those two ways. And the, the deacon then is a servant of the church. And deacons could serve in a variety of ways, all kinds of ways. Next, go to First Timothy, chapter three. First Timothy, chapter three, verse one. Paul here is writing to Timothy, and he has a lot to say about leadership. I'm just going to mention a couple things here. First Timothy three one says a trustworthy statement: If any man aspires to the office of overseer, it is a fine work he desires to do. There you see the word overseer. Look at verse eight. Deacons likewise must be men of dignity, goes on to talk about the deacons. So what we see here is the words overseer and deacon spoken here, 1 Timothy 3, 1 and 8, are the exact same words used in Philippians chapter 1, verse 1. And what God is, what God, what's God telling us then? These, these, these words overseer and deacon are referring again to the leadership offices in the church. That's what they are, what we just read in Philippians 1, 1. There are, I believe again. There's just these these two offices. Um, uh, uh, well No, this point here. These two words are referring to the two kinds of leaders that God wants in the church. And there's a there's a uh, book. It's a document. Um, came second end of the second century. It's called the Shepherd of Hermes. Lots of good information there about the church. But it's an interesting quote here. It says the direction of the congregation is in the hand of a college of elders. To this belongs overseers and deacons. So they're way back in the early church, they were saying you had these elders and these were the overseers and, and deacons. Now what you see, you look at the text there, says the office of overseer, the word overseer here is singular, and referring to a person who then is primarily the teaching elder. And it goes on to say in the text there that at the end of verse 2 that the overseer must be able to teach. So overseer then is one who's considered to be the primary person in that church then who is teaching, and he must then have that ability to teach. The word deacon, you go to verse 8, Deacon. deacons is used, of course, there in the plural. You can see it. This would mean then that there's a plurality of leadership in the church. There's a number of deacons, and this is, this is important. I mean, it's good to have more leaders because they give more wisdom, more protection, they give more instruction and, and more encouragement. And the fact that there's more than more than one deacon, this plurality makes it much easier then for the leaders to meet the needs in the church. And again, what we're saying here, as I just said a few minutes ago, is that the deacons can serve in all kinds of ways. Oftentimes related to the needs in the church, oftentimes related to their spiritual gift as well. Turn to First Peter chapter five, first chapter five, verses one to three. Here, now here we see that uh, that that. Peter, the author here of this, this, this epistle, says, I exhort the elders among you. Now, again, you have to understand this word elder, then, is referring to both the overseer or overseers and deacons. That's got to be understood in your mind. That's what we're saying here. He says, as your fellow elder, so here was, was Peter, who was an apostle, but he also was an elder. Psalm himself was an elder in a local church. He says, and witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily according to the will of God, and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness, not yet as lording over it, lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples of the flock. So use the example of, of uh, a sheep. And, and really, you see that the primary duty that's given there is that you're to shepherd. If you have a shepherd with his sheep, he's to take care of them, protect them, make sure they have good food. That's, that's the overall main objective given to you right there in those verses. Now, the char- back to 1 Timothy chapter 3. The character qualities of both the overseer and the deacon are listed here. This is important when considering whether to recognize someone as an overseer or deacon in the church. This go on now to one more another passage here, First Timothy chapter five, verses seventeen to twenty-two. I just want to read this. First Timothy five, seventeen. The elders who rule well are to be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. For the scripture says you shall not muzzle the ox while he's threshing the labor is worthy of his wages. Do not receive an accusation against an elder except on the basis of two or three witnesses. Those who continue to sin rebuke in the presence of all so that the rest will also be fearful of sinning. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and his chosen angels to maintain these principles without bias, doing nothing in a spirit of partiality. Do not lay hands upon anyone to hastily and thereby share responsibility for the sins of others keep yourself free from sin. So this tells us more about leadership in the church. And what we see here these verses it doesn't say the word overseer and deacon does it. It's talking about elders. And so this is a this is the collective leadership of the church. And and again I want to say this from this text we know he is talking about both overseers and deacons. That's what he's saying right here. That is this Further substantiates for us that both overseers and deacons are the elders of the church. But Paul doesn't need to use the word overseer here and deacon because the word elder is the collective word and is referring then to both. It says the elders are to rule well. This means that all elders, all elders, both overseers and deacons, are to be once involved in ruling, leading, leading, managing and helping in the church. And it goes on to say those who work hard at teaching, and I believe that Paul here is referring to the overseer. Uh, he, uh, he's, he's a do- that's his, that's his job. That's his main focus. And that's how I think, too. I get up Monday morning and I'm thinking, okay, my primary duty here is, okay, make sure that hey, I'm going to feed the church. That's how I think. In fact, most of my morning times are work, work is in preparation for meetings, whether it's a Wednesday night meeting or Friday night meeting or whatever. Preparing looking at God's word. Now, that does does not mean that the overseer is the primary teacher, the primary teaching elder, does not mean that deacons cannot teach, okay? It doesn't mean that. You go to Acts chapter 6 and 7, you read the story about Stephen, you all know the story, but he's a man full of faith, full of the Holy Spirit, and you look at chapter 7, it's one of the classic preaching passages in the entire Bible. I mean, it's an amazing message that Stephen gives. He was a teacher, even though he was more just one who was like a deacon. Now, today, where are we going? Let me tell you where we're going. I want to mention two men that Bruce, Steve, and I are thinking of and praying about as recognizing as deacons. They are Giovanni Gray and Ralph Mann, Giovanni Gray and Ralph Mann. What I want to do now is I want to look at 1 Timothy 3 and look at the character qualities there because you need to be confident yourselves that they have the character quality that's given to us in those verses in 1 Timothy chapter 3. And ones that Bruce and I, we've already talked and prayed about this, we believe they haven't, but we're an entire church here. We work together, so you need to have that confidence as well. So go back to 1 Timothy chapter 3, we We're looking at verses 8 through 13 i going to read them first, and then we'll go over them one by one. Deacons likewise must be men of dignity, not double-tongued or addicted to much wine or fond of sword and gain, but holding to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. These men must also first be tested and then let them serve as deacons if they are beyond reproach. Women must likewise be dignified, not malicious, gossips, temperate, faithful in all things. Deacons must be husbands of only one wife and good manager of their children and their own households for those who have served well as deacons, obtain... The, for themselves a high standing and great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Now, the character of a deacon is very similar to that which we read about in the Overseer, but I'm not going to go over that here. We're thinking of recognizing Ralph and Giovanni as deacons in the church, not as overseers. That is, they would be elders, but their particular office would be as deacons, ones who would help and serve in different ways in the church. Now let's go through these qualities. First quality of a deacon is that he is a man of dignity. This word dignity means quote grave, serious, sober minded. End quote. He's he's not he's not a silly type person. He's not a happy go lucky type person. Hey, he's not let's have fun all all the time. Let's not go to the beach every weekend. He's not that kind of person. That's not him. Okay, he's grave. He's serious. He's sober-minded, and yes, they can have fun, but that doesn't dictate his life. The deacon's speech, his, his lifestyle, and the way he conducts himself then is dignified. He's above reproach, that he has no obvious sin or sin defect that would disqualify him from, from being a deacon. So he would be one who's respected. You think of these men and you respect them for who they are, the kind of character they have. Next, the deacon is not double-tongued. This talks about his speech. He's not deceptive. He's not hypocritical in his speech. A deacon is to be ministering to the church, to be caring for the needs of the church, the believers, and he has to be one who is honest, who's sincere, who's consistent in his speech. He has to be like that, so that's important. Next, the deacon is not addicted to much wine. This means... Uh, And and I know there are some, and I'm not going to go on here, there are some teachers in the church, and and good men too, who believe that you should never ever drink any wine or alcohol at all. We don't believe that in our church. What we believe is clear is that you shouldn't get drunk. Okay, that's what we believe. Well, the point here is, is the deacon is not to be addicted to much wine. That means he's not controlled by or dependent on alcohol or drugs or anything else like that. That's the point. The deacon is not to turn to alcohol as a means of escape or contentment or drugs or for, for contentment or pleasure. He's not to do that. Um, rather, it's dependent on God. It says it well in, in Ephesians 5.18. It says this type of person then is not drunk with wine but is filled with the Spirit. We read about um, Stephen, uh, Acts 6.5. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Next it says the deacon is not fond of sordid gain. That means the deacon, he is one who loves God. He doesn't love money. He manages his money well. He, he's honest in his dealings. He doesn't make money in, in an unrighteous way, but makes money in a righteous way. As it says in Hebrews 13, 5, he's free from the love of money. Next, and this is important, when the deacon holds to the Mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. The word faith here in this context is speaking about what is believed. And what must be believed is God's word. Then it also uses the word mystery. What does this mean? Mystery of faith. Well, mystery is a word that, that in this context refers to truths that, that weren't understood or revealed in the Old Testament, but then were revealed to be understood and taught in the New Testament. Truths like, like the Incarnation that wasn't taught in the Old Testament, or being born again, or being indwelt with the Spirit. These would be mysteries of the faith. There to understand those basic mysteries and believe them. Deacon must believe and be convinced of the basic truths. My, my favorite passage for a summation of the basic truths is Acts chapter 4, verses 4 through 6. I'm going I'm to list to you eight words here uh, that are just basic foundational words that relate to truths we all need to know, particularly we're talking here about the deacons. And and of those eight, and I'm going to mention, seven are found in Ephesians 4, 4 through 6. You have to look at it carefully, but you may not understand it right the first time. You read it. It's it's all there. Here's the words. Basic truths about God, who God is, that God is love and holy and God is sovereign. Just basic truths. Truths about Jesus Christ, that he is both God and man, that he came to save us. He is going to be coming back as a king to reign over us truth about the Holy Spirit. He's the Spirit. He indwells us. He gives us the power, the ability to do what God wants us to do. Uh, Steve sang that song on the fruit of the Spirit. He's the one that gives us the fruit of the Spirit. It's by him. Uh, also then, the truth about who man is, that we are ones who are sinners. We are ones who are sinners and therefore separated from God. We're spiritually dead. But then the next point, we can be saved. That's the fifth point. Salvation is by faith in Christ alone. Christ went to the cross, died, paid for our sins. Said, All those who repent of their sins and put their faith in him then can be saved. So there's salvation. Then you have the word of God. That is, this word, the Bible, is God's inerrant word. It's true. Then you have the church. God gives us the church. And the final one is hope. God has given us a future hope. So those are eight words. Seven of those are found in in that text. In fact, the one that's not, sort of is, it's, it's the word word. The word of God is not there per se, stated clearly. But that is the word of God, talking about those seven other truths there. But those are truths that you need to understand. I thought about like Giovanni and and Ralph, um, they've been in this church for many years. I don't know Giovanni, I don't know how many years a lot of years. He's here before I was here and and so he's heard all this teaching through the years, and Ralph has been here for way like, eighteen, twenty years as well, a long time. and so they've heard these truths and 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 that gives me confidence too, knowing that they've been here and they've heard, I believe what is good teaching, and this then helps them to have this confidence and understanding of the truths of God. So it says the deacon then doesn't waver about these truths, but he is one then who holds them with a clear conscience. He's convinced of them. You can't shake him from them. Somebody has a question about them. He can share what he believes, what is true from the word of God. Then in, then in the text, 1 Timothy 3, it says the deacon is tested. This talking about the test of life. He's been tested in areas like faith and hope. And love areas like humility and holiness, and he has had these tests, and he has passed these tests through time. That's that's the point here. These tests may specifically relate to tests that are relational or different kinds of trials. Tests that might relate to being faithful in ministry or with people uh, or with money. Uh, and and, and then one more thing I'll just say is is just persevering through the years. So I was thinking of Giovanni and Ralph. Well, they've persevered. And I've been with them, and I'm seeing they've gone through tests and they've kept going. That that's a huge test. And I've just been here for a year or two, and they've been here for twenty years plus. And so that test, they they pass those those tests. Deacon's wife. Then this is the next point. You wonder what's this about? It's not it's not, it's not clear. There's different opinions on what this means. This is verse eleven. It says, "I read it again. Women must likewise be dignified, not malicious gossips, but." Temperate, faithful in all things, and some would say, "Well, that is going to relate to a deacon." As you can have deaconesses. Well, you know, I'm I'm saying that that's fine if they want to believe that. I I really believe it relates in the context to the wives of the uh, deacon of this elder. That's what it is. That's the whole context that we're talking about here, and 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 in particular, I'll say this: Ephesians five twenty-five and six. You know, the verses talk about how a husband is to be one who helps to help helps his wife to grow. It says washes her with the word, so to speak. So, so we understand that. And, and in this context, I'm not going to go through these words we've already gone through them to some degree. The, the wife then should, not, should be dignified, not a malicious gossip, temperate, uh, faithful in all things. And so you think about Ralph's wife and, and Giovanni's wife. And, and I know I'm convinced, and, and Bruce and Steve and I, Bruce Steve are all convinced of their character as well. Then it says the deacon is the husband of one wife. That is, a deacon is devoted in his heart, mind, and soul to his wife. He's one who loves his wife with an agape love. He's committed to her. He maintains sexual purity in his thought life and his conduct, okay? That's that point there. Finally, a deacon's a good manager of his children and his household. His children are behaved and Courteous and obedient and pleasant to be around there once you're under control so 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 the, the 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 deacon is one who's helping to manage the church, so what we're saying here is can he manage his own household That's the whole idea his wife, his children, and or if you go to his place, is his front yard a mess? That wouldn't be good. I'd have a question if there's all kinds of stuff sitting scattered in the front yard or their backyard, you know. He's not managing things. That's his household, his his property as well. So he's just being one who is a a good manager. And so uh, in in this situation then, you have the, the deacon and his home, and you go there. There's harmony, there's order, there's peace. That doesn't mean things are perfect, but in general, that's what you see, okay? Now the person with these qualifications, can serve as a deacon. He is what we call above reproach, a very general phrase. That means there's no obvious or glaring sin that would disqualify him from being one who could lead in the church. He can't be accused of some sin. There's spiritual stability and consistency and faithfulness in his life, and nothing then would prevent him from serving as a deacon in the church. Then there are promises. Read about these promises, which is encouraging here. Promises for the person who serves as a deacon, God is, wants to motivate us, and all of our lives wants to motivate deacons as well. But it says the deacon who serves well, there's a high standing before God. That is, God blesses him and exalts him for him being one who serves well. It says this in Luke fourteen eleven, He who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. And so the deacons who serve God well by serving the saints, then ones who have this high standing before God, says they will grow in their assurance and their boldness and their confidence. There will be ones who grow and experience more and more grace of God, and God then will continue to use them in the church and, and other areas as well. And so we conclude here. As I said, we're considering uh, Ralph and Giovanni uh, to be elders in the church. Specifically, we're saying talking about them being Deacons, we believe they have the character that's listed that we just went over here in First Timothy chapter 3, they're true servants of God. And so we wanted to let you know what we're thinking. But we're a church, so we want you to be thinking and praying about this as well. We did a very similar thing eight years ago when we recognized Steve and, and um, Bruce that has shared these different things, then let you know about it, told you what we're thinking, then gave you some time. So we're going to give you a week because we want you to be part of this process. And so if you have any questions about things that I've said, any concerns, anything at all, give me a call or email me. You know, call Steve or uh, Bruce or myself. Is that clear, what I've said here? Take some time. Steve, is there anything I need to add here at all or? So anyway, so that's that's it. So so again, take this week and do as I said. This is a serious thing. This is an important decision, and we want your input. And again, you may not have any. You may think, hey, I, I think they're good. I I know Ralph and Giovanni, and, and I believe they're good men. They qualify according to the, the character qualities given here in First Timothy chapter three. So anyway, that's fine. So it's not like everybody's got to give me a call. But if you do have a call, a thought, or something, please please dial me up or email me. It's good to know that Jesus Christ is the leader of this church, that he himself is building the church. So we need to be praying. I mean, this is, I tell you, I talk about what what can you do for the church. I would say, really important, one of the most important things, pray. Pray for Christ to continue to shepherd us, to feed us, to protect us, to instruct us, to lead us in all this is in this particular one here that we are thinking about. So just keep praying for the church. Again, this is so important. I, I just always think about that that the importance of, of prayer. Two verses I'll, f- I'll finish with here. Acts 20:28 20, Be on guard for yourselves and all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. Matthew 16:18 Jesus said I will build the church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. So it's good to be in the church. I love this church. I'm thankful to be here for all these 22 23 years now. As we moved here in February of 1999, I'm thankful for what God's doing. Not always easy, but it's good. We look to the Lord. We trust him. Working with other men, like with Bruce and Steve, has been a delight. It's really good. In fact, one more thing, if I got to say this, is the last, I'm not sure, the last year or 15 or whatever, Giovanni and Ralph have been meeting with us about every four to six weeks. Okay. So they've been with us as we talk about the church, and so it's not like they're just rookies, you know, in this thing. They've been with us, so that's been helpful, and we've gotten confidence even spending the time uh, with them. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for this this day. We bless you for giving us this time. Thank you so much for this church. We thank you for each person here. Each person here, Father, is special to you, important to you. You love them. and have plans for their lives, they're working their lives out, using them for the purpose you have for them. We thank you for that. We're all your sheep. We are but sheep, and we all know sheep sometimes aren't so smart, sometimes do some really dumb things. But thank you, Lord, for your tremendous patience and love and kindness and forgiveness and mercy towards us, that you're leading us in the way that you want us to go, that that you, you have plans for us individually and families and also as a church, those three areas I think about often. So God, help us, Lord. I do pray for this decision here. With respect to Ralph and Giovanni, your will be done. We ask God for your wisdom and, and just the confidence and, and any questions or concerns uh, some might have, please, uh, Lord, let that be shared. And so there can be a complete unity in this whole question, this whole matter. Again, we thank you, Lord, for this time. Thank you for this church. Thank you for Bethel as well. and Thank you for uh, Raphael and, and and the other believers there and just how much I know they love you and how they're they're teaching the word, teaching the truth, God, and just in some encouraging things that are happening with them as well that maybe I'll share more in the future. But which, thank you again for your love and for them and putting us really together. And so thank you again now for this time this day. Lead us in our communion time. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.